Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Would you say this with me today? I receive the Word of God to profit me and reproof me, convict me and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished on all good works. You just quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I'm doing a series on the kingdom of God because a lot of people don't really understand the kingdom of God. And even the Jews, when Jesus came, they were thinking, the believing Jews, they were thinking, well, is he going to restore the kingdom? And they were thinking the natural kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. Are you going to come and restore the kingdom? Are you going to come and, and uh, deliver us from Rome? And are we going to be an independent nation again, uh, not being oppressed by the Roman Empire? And Jesus said, no, I've come to restore God's kingdom. You know, there's man's kingdom, but then there's God's kingdom. And isn't this something that the Messiah came at the most inconvenient time according to the history of man? Israel was not their own nation. They were controlled by the Roman government. You know, but there's no man and there's no government and there's no devil that can stop God's plan for your life. And that's such a great example of that. So he came to expand the kingdom of God. And every time someone's born again, the kingdom of God is put on the inside of them. You know, the devil's kingdom can't expand. He has no way of increasing it. So every time someone's born again, his kingdom decreases and the kingdom of God expands. And that's why Nicodemus said in John 3, he said, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to, to get in this kingdom? And Jesus said, unless a man's born of water and born of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And he went on to explain that. He says, what do you mean, you know, born again? I don't quite understand that. And that's when Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe upon him shall not perish and have everlasting life. And yes, we call that the prayer of salvation, putting our faith in Jesus, knowing that, you know, if we were to die, we'll have, you know, we'll spend eternity with God because the Bible says be absent from the bodies and be present with the Lord. And we understand that. But God went and took a step further and said, I'm going to put my law or my kingdom principles, my way of living on the inside of you. Isn't that wonderful? That's why he put the Spirit, a Holy Spirit of God, on the inside of you. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new again. He put his Spirit on the inside of you. In fact, Romans 8, 11 says, The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and will quicken your mortal body. The Word of God goes on and says, I've written my laws upon their hearts. So, you know, if you're, you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, He's put His kingdom within you. And that's what the Bible says. The kingdom of God is now within you. And anytime you see the word kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, they parallel most of the time in the Scripture. And when John the Baptist came on the scene, he said this in Matthew chapter 3. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So it means that it's available to you. So if the kingdom of God's available to me, I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to receive as much of it as I know how possibly receive from the kingdom of God. And that's my heart. My heart is I want everything that God has for me. Well, when Jesus was tempted of the devil and came out of the wilderness, he said the same thing. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, the kingdom of God is available to us. Well, the kingdom of God, it tells us in the book of Romans, is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Okay, and so those three things are very important because you need to know that as a result of your faith in Christ Jesus, he made you the righteousness of God. He recreated you. He exchanged his righteousness for your unrighteousness. Okay, and so now you're also in right standing with him, and then you also have these unalienable rights. In other words, John 1 12 says, as many as receive him, he gave him, you know, King James says power, but it means the authority and the right to be the sons of God. You know, and this is the key right now. The sons of God are manifesting. How are they manifesting? You know, by receiving what God says they can have, by operating in this kingdom. 
And though this kingdom is not of this world, it does parallel with the understanding that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities, weaknesses, and high places. And if we will take our stand in the spirit realm and bind up these spirits, don't get an agreement. Don't get in agreement with what's going on in the world. Don't get in agreement with, you know, uh, ill ill teaching and wrong philosophy. Get in agreement with the Word of God. Let the Word of God be your standard in all things. You know, and, and that's the key to operating in this kingdom. And so Jesus said, that he went out and said, the kingdom of God is at hand, and part of the kingdom of God is healing the sick and cleansing the leopards, raising the dead, and casting out demons freely as you receive, freely give. And so Jesus is saying, it didn't cost you anything to receive this kingdom. He provided it for you through your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it didn't cost, cost you anything, how much will it cost you to give it away? You know, we have a great staff here at Family Worship Center. And, uh, but, you know, they're pretty free to spend the church money. Pastor, let's spend money on this. And pastor, let's spend money on that. And I think that's wonderful, you know. But you know what? When it comes to, to uh, spending someone else's money, how many of you know it's easier to spend someone else's money than to spend your own money? Well, hello, somebody. He freely gave you. And see, we have this limitation on God because we feel like, well, you know, there's only so much we can do. No, 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 no. You keep on giving. And I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about the love of God, the joy of God, encouragement, you know, strengthening people, lifting up people's hands and arms and, and, and just, you know, praying for people who need healing. You keep on doing that and you're freely going to continue to receive from him too. And so that's why it's so important. So we know that the kingdom of God's not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so we looked at something here in in Mark chapter 4. Jesus gave this parable about the sower and the seed. And in the sower and the seed, he talks about four soils. The first soil was sown into uh, uh, people who, who heard the word, but they didn't really receive the word. And so therefore, it wasn't profitable. You know, one of the things about hearing the word, one thing is that you can hear it, but you know what? You got to take it as yours personally. You know, this word, this Bible was written, you know, you know, if God had to, he would have wrote this Bible for just one person who sinned in the world. He would have given all these promises of redemption, all these promises of restoration, all these promises to that one person, you know, but he wrote it just for you. Tell your neighbor that the Bible is for you. And everything in it is for you. In fact, all his promises are yes and amen. Glory to God. You know, every promise, you know. Well, what about the promises in the Old Testament, Pastor, since we're in the New Testament? You know, we're New Testament believers. Well, that's where the Bible says that, you know, any man being Christ, you know, we have the blessing of Abraham upon us. And that was even before the law. You know, and so all the blessings that's in the Old Testament is ours too. Isn't that wonderful? That's why you can quote Psalms 91, with long life will I satisfy you. Though a thousand fall to my side and ten thousand my right hand, none of these things shall come upon me. They that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. I can trust my God, my God in whom I trust. I can trust God. He'll deliver me from the pestilence, the arrows that fly by day. He'll deliver me from the wickedness of the evil one. You know, he'll set me up on high. Glory to God. If God be for me, who can be against me? Glory to God. You know, and so these are just some of the promises that are in the Old Testament. Many are the affliction of, of the righteous, but the Lord delivers only those who read the Bible enough. No, he delivers them out of them all. Isn't that wonderful? And so we see that, you know, the person, uh, the first soil was someone who heard the word of God. But then Jesus said in there in Mark uh, 4 verse 9, he says, let him who has ears, let him be hearing. 
you just don't hear the word once. You need to hear the word and continue to hear the word and continue to hear the word and continue to hear the word. Why? Because the more you hear the word, the more it gets put into your heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And so we know that we create our world by our confession. This is all part of the kingdom of God. These are all of the benefits. Are you trying to tell me, Pastor, if I, if I confess what God says I can have, then I can have what God says I can have? Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. That's why we need to keep hearing the word of God and hearing the word of God and hearing the word of God. It wouldn't hurt some of you not to listen to the news for the next 30 days. Hello, somebody. I'll say that again. It wouldn't hurt some of you not to listen to the news for the next 30 days, you know, because it's designed to just, you know, magnify what is wrong in such a great way that it make you make you, makes you feel like everything is wrong in the world. Well, I want to let you know not everything's wrong in the world. I'm not wrong in this world. My wife certainly is not wrong in this world. You're not wrong in this world. What we're doing is right, glory to God. Yeah, but that doesn't, that doesn't you know, uh, increase the advertisement and increase the revenue, and it doesn't increase the emotions of people. I'll never forget, I asked this one newscaster, I said, how come they're keeping this one thing going on and on and on? I mean, it's just like a soapbox, you know? Uh, so proper. He said, oh, because people want to hear about it, and when the more reviewers we have, the more money we make. Oh, now you know the root behind why they give you the bad news, because bad news produces money. How many of you know fear produces money? You know, we had, a, when we were associates at Calvary Cathedral, one of our elders was a veterinarian, and when he first opened his practice, it was a real struggle. And so one of the things he did to make extra monies was he de-skunked skunks. I wish we could do that in the church, don't you? But anyway, of course not this church. No skunks in this church. But anyway, he de-skunked skunks. And uh, anyway, the newspaper and, and some of the news stations said that there had been some rabid skunks, you know, so, you know, you need to keep your dogs inside and stuff like that. Well, in one of his procedures, he slipped, and the gland broke, and his whole area just smelled like skunk. I mean, his clinic and all the neighborhood smelled like skunk. Well, the next Saturday, everybody's lined up out the door to get their dogs vaccinated <laughs> for rabies. You know, because fear, they were so fearful of this because of what they smelled. Hello, boy, this is a great message, isn't it? <laughs> They were moved by their senses, weren't they? <laughs> but it got his clinic over, and he had a successful clinic from that day forward. And so fear sells, you know, and so this is why it's so important that we don't listen to the fear of the world. Well, the second soil was those who, you know, when the, had, had heard the word of God, they received the word, but they didn't let the word get on the inside of them. You know, Jesus, or it says in John chapter 1, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in John 1, 14, it says the Word became flesh, you know, and it did become flesh. But you know what? It hasn't stopped becoming flesh. Amen. That Word can operate in your flesh. And so that's why it's so important. You know, the first thing that happens whenever you face a crisis, the first thing that comes out of your mouth, the first decision you make will probably determine how successful you'll be with that situation. Had a situation this last week with one of the ministers. They went to the racetrack, and uh, he fell and hit his head pretty hard. They said they thought maybe it even knocked him out for a second or two. But anyway, the first thing out of his mouth was, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. The second thing he said, no, you don't, devil. No, you don't. You're not going to stop God's plan for my life. You know, and when you're full of the word, that's what comes out. Glory to God. You know, we have facts that we have to deal with, but God's truth over always overrides facts. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, God's truth always overrides facts. God's truth. You know, the truth of God's word, letting that word get on the inside of you. So that second soil, that was somebody, you know, who um, when, whenever they heard the word of God, um, 
you know, they, they didn't have much root. And when offenses came, the stone of offense, the stumbling stone of offense came, you know, uh, because of the word. See, the enemy, if you get saved, that's one thing. But the second thing he doesn't want you to do, he doesn't want you to operate in the word of God. You know, because the more you operate in the Word of God, the more of a threat it is. Why? Because the Word of God's sharper than any two-edged sword. And who do you think that hurts more than anything else when you quote the Word of God? It doesn't quote hurt your neighbor, it hurts the enemy. And that's why it's so important that you begin to speak the Word of God. What did Jesus say when he, came, when he was in the wilderness of temptation? He said to the enemy, it is written. It is written. And so when you speak the Word of God, since the Word of God is God, you're actually releasing God into the situation. And so that second soil was someone who didn't have much root, and because of that, when offense came, they were easily moved, easily offended, and they left. The third soil was someone who let the cares of the world get upon them. And we need to recognize what those cares are, things that cause us to lose our focus on what God really wants us to stay focused on. That's why it says in Isaiah 41 verse 10, fear not and be not dismayed. Dismayed means you lose focus. You get off focus of what God really wants you to stay focused on. And so that's why it's so important, you know, that's what the whole purpose of distractions and the cares of this world you know, but God, or Peter said in First Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Which really means that, you know what, he's already taken care of it. You think God's fallen off his throne because of what's going on in our nation? No. I tell you what grieves the heart of God, though, is when the church gets in agreement with it. Oh, well, we need to be woke so we can love these people who are in the alternate lifestyle. Listen, I love them so much, I'm going to tell them the truth. That's how much I love them. I'm going to tell them the truth. You know, just because I disagree with them doesn't mean I don't love them. And can you see the setup? You know, they're suddenly coming. Well, if you don't agree with us, you don't love us. And where's the love of God because you don't love us? You know, that's so subtle so they can get their agenda in there. Well, just because you don't like ice cream and I do, and we don't agree on what flavor we might like the best, doesn't mean I don't love you. Hello, somebody. Just because we don't always agree on everything doesn't mean that I don't love you. You know, and see how they've, they've, they've transitioned the definition of what love is and they've turned tolerance into acceptance. Well, you need to accept us if you love us. No, it's not that I don't accept you. I just don't accept the lifestyle of you trying to convert because you can't procreate. People in the altered lifestyle can't procreate. How many of you know that's true? You know, so you want to take my children that I procreate and make them like you. Not happening on my watch. How about you? Not happening on my watch. Not going to happen here. Amen. And so that's why they're so desperate, you know, to promote their lifestyle because that's the only way they can do it is through uh, brainwashing our kids and misleading our society. I'm doing real good this morning. So we got to cast all our cares on the Lord because he's already taken care of it. He's not been out of shape. He already has a plan. And I really believe that plan is, like I said earlier, you know, we need to get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, because the harvest is white as snow. Amen. But we need laborers. Get yourself ready to be a laborer in the kingdom of God. Get your ready, yourself ready to put your arms around people who nobody else will put their arms around. Get ready to encourage them and strengthen them and pray with them and point them to the Word of God. Let me ask you something. How many of you would say the Word of God's changed my life? Amen. Well, can it change their life? Well, then you need to get ready to share that same Word that changed your life with them. And so, you know, the distractions of this age, that's what chokes out the Word of God, hinders people from receiving. But here in Mark 4, and I'm going to, I'm going to read verses 1 through, I believe, uh, 20 in the Amplified Bible, and we're going to get to the fourth soil. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the lake, and a very great crowd gathered about him so that he got in the ship in order to sit in on the sea and the whole crowd was at the lake shore on that sea you know if you're going to go to israel you're going to see this spot it's so awesome because just a little bit out into the lake 
uh, you're going you're gonna to recognize that Jesus could talk in a normal voice. And there was such a natural amphitheater there. He didn't have to raise his voice or anything. All the people, that great crowd, every one of them didn't miss a word because of the natural amphitheater that God had already pre-prepared for Jesus to give this particular message. And he taught them many things in parables. And, and in his teaching, he said to them, give attention to this. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and when he was sown, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed of the same kind. Say, same kind. Why is that? You know, because the Word of God has the potential as a seed to meet all your needs. And God's no respecter of a person, and you can have everything that the Word of God says you can have. It has the potential to just operate 100% in your life, and we're going to see that. And so in verse 5, other seed of the same kind fell on grounds full of rocks where it had not much soil, and once it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun came up, it was scorched because it had not taken root, it withered away. Other seed of the same kind, say same kind, same kind of seed fell among thorns, plants, thistles, and grew and pressed together, and utterly choked out and suffered, and it yielded no grain. And other seed of the same kind, say same kind, fell into good, well-adapted soil. So if you've been listening to this series uh, uh, from the beginning, you know that we are that soil. We are that soil. And in the seed is the Word of God. We are that soil. Tell your neighbor you're good dirt. All right. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so it brought forth grain growing up and increasing, yielded 30 times as much, 60 times as much, and even 100 times as much as what had been sown. And he said, that, and he, said he who has ears to hear, let him be hearing, and let him consider and comprehend. How many of you have ever gone through a dry spell in your life or you've gone through a difficult time? That's when you call out to God and say, God, open my ears. Give me that desire to hear what you're saying in this situation. I want ears to hear. I want the ears to hear. You know, I don't want to be distracted by things going on in this world to stop me from hearing. I want to hear what God's saying. How many of you know that God's usually smarter than we are? You know, he's never made a bad decision. How many of you know that? He's never made a wrong decision, you know? And he's so merciful, he'll take my bad decisions and make them, turn them into good decisions. And nobody will know about it. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. And so that's why it's so important to have ears to hear. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him be hearing and let him consider, and not just hear it, but consider it and comprehend it comprehended. And as soon as he was alone, those who were around him with the twelve apostles began to ask him about the parables. And he said, to you has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom of God. Who is he talking to? Those who are following Christ. That means that's you too. It's been entrusted to you to understand how the kingdom of God works. The secret counsels of God which are hidden from the ungodly, for, for those who are outside of our, of our circle, everything becomes a parable. And in order for they indeed look and look but not perceive and, and hear and hear but not grasp and comprehend, lest happily they should turn again, which is repentance, come back to God, and if their willful rejection of the truth should be forgiven them. So they have purposely said, I'm not going to believe that stuff. Bless their hearts. Man, they are lost. They can't believe God. Well, what are they believing? Well, stuff that's going to mislead them and take them to destruction. And then he said in verse 13, do you not discern and understand this parable? How then is it possible for you to discern and understand all parables? In other words, I teach it like this. You know, if you can grasp hold of this one, you can grasp hold of all of them. This is one of the most important parables in the Word of God that you should grasp hold of. So he explains it. The sower sows the Word. The Word. I don't know about you, but I want to see the Word manifest in 100% of the time in my life. Am I there yet? No, I'm not. But I'm like Paul. This one thing I know I haven't obtained, and I'm not perfect, but I do press. Man, I'm pushing towards, and I want to see it all the time. So the ones are sown 
the ones along the path are those who have heard the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear, Satan comes immediately at once and by force takes away the message which was sown in them. And the same way, the ones sown on stony ground are those when they hear the word of God, once receive it, accept it, they welcome it with joy, but they have no real root in themselves, so they endure for a little while, and when trouble or persecution arises on the account of the word, they immediately are offended, become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. Verse 18, and the ones who are sown on thorns and those who hear the word of God and the cares and anxiety of the world and distractions of the age and pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitful riches and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in, choke out, suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless. It becomes fruitless. That means it was fruitful at one time, but it becomes fruitless. And verse 20, and those sown on good, well-adapted, say well-adapted, soil are the ones who hear the word and receive and accept it and welcome it and bear fruit some 30 times as much was sown, some 60 times as much, and even a hundred times as much. So that's the well-adapted soil. I don't know about you, but I want to be in that well-adapted soil. So I guess the word has the same potential to reach 100% all the time. But it's up to me to allow it to do that. Isn't that correct? Amen. So I have to ask myself, is the word working 100% of the time? If it's not working 100% of the time, why? Well, has the enemy come to take it away? Well, at this time in my life, I don't think so. I'm not trying to be prideful, but I don't think he is. Okay, number two, has an offense come in my life to stop the word from working? We talked about that. Is there a stone of offense? How many of you know that seed, when you plant a garden, it doesn't grow as well when there's stone in the, stones in the garden? Hmm? When you plow up your garden, what do you do? The first thing is you rake out all the stuff that's not good for it, the weeds and whatever's been on top of it, all the stones, and you know, and then you loosen it up and you add some sand to it if it's got a little clay in it or something, if it's really hard, so it'll be loosened up. You add a little fertilizer to it, don't you? You know, a little fertilizer maybe, and you, you know, plow it in there, you know, and maybe you add a little topsoil to it to blend it all in. But what are you doing? You're cultivating or you're plowing up the fallow ground. You're loosening up. You know, every ground has the potential to produce a hundredfold when the seed's produced in it, when the seed is sown into it. Every ground does. But not every ground is cultivated for it. Hello, somebody. So it's up to me to realize that I'm the ground. Is there anything in my heart? Is there anything? Are the, are the distractions of this age trying to distract me? Are the cares of this world trying to choke out the world? I mean, choke out the word. Is that what's going on here? Or am I well-adapted soil? And have I put myself in a position so I can receive all that God has for my life? And so here are some things that I believe that's so important for us to ask ourselves these questions in order for us to be adaptable to hear the Word of God. Now, to become adaptable means that you have to change your way and maybe your lifestyle and some of the things that you're doing for the Word to work in your life. You don't ask God to adapt to your lifestyle. You adapt to God's lifestyle. Amen. That's the key right there. That's part of being adaptable. You making some changes. And, you know, and sometimes there, there are some changes, some, some things that, you know, um, that we have uh, 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 habitually developed, lifestyles that we have habitually uh, developed that we have a hard time letting go of. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, again, his kingdom, his right way of doing these things, all these things shall be added unto you. And as you begin to go after God, God will do the converting. That's why I say in Acts 3.19, it says, repent and be converted. If you'll come to God, God will do the changing. I, let me say that again. If you'll just come to God, God will do the changing. Well, you know, I, I can't go to church. I'm just not right. Well, you know what? None of us are right. Amen. Let's just be really real. Amen. I know some of you are choking on that halo that just slipped over your head. But none of us are right. Totally perfect. None of us are there, you know. That's why you need, you, you come to God first and let God do the converting. Let God do the changing. Let God, you know, 
put new things into your heart. That's why the Bible says when you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. You know, does that mean he'll give you a brand new car? Yeah, I believe he'll do that. But what I really mean, what I really believe it means is if you begin to delight in God, God will start putting things in your heart that you desire to do. You know, when you first heard about church and you and the world, you probably heard this. Yeah, all those churches is one is your money, you know. And so, the, but, but when you come to God and you start pressing to God, all of a sudden you have this desire that, you know what, you want to give. You want to be generous. You know, that's what happened to me. I'll never forget, you know, I was uh, in a Bible study when I was a construction engineer out at the nuclear power plant, and uh, this gentleman opened up the Bible and taught me about tithing. I didn't know anything about tithing. Boy, after that, man, I wanted, I, I wanted to be a tither. I just, I struggled at first, I have to be honest with you. But finally one day I drew a line in the sand, and I don't know why it had to be this way, but for me this is the way it worked. But I drew a line in the sand, and I said, on January 1st, 1983, I'm going to tithe everything that comes in my hand. And I did. First couple times it wasn't easy, you know, because I took a new job. I went from making, you know, good money to make, you know, hardly enough money to live on, you know, but yet I still trusted God, you know, and we haven't stopped tithing. I've been tithing since January 1st, 1983, and I can say this, I've never seen the righteous go without or, or his seed begging for bread. God has honored his word in that particular area, you know, but what happened? I started to delight myself in the Lord, you know, and the more I delighted myself in the Lord, the more I wanted to pray, you know, the more I wanted to read the Word, the more I wanted to do the right things. You know, I, you know, there was a time in my life I had an anger issue. I didn't want that anger issue anymore. I wanted to walk in love in all situations, all circumstances, you know. And so God just started changing me. He started converting me. You know, the things that I thought were important weren't important anymore. You know, my hot rod wasn't important anymore. I don't know why. I sure wish that was important. But, you know, I mean, I had, never mind. We won't go down that road. But anyway, so you got to hear the word of God. Jesus said, first of all, for this word to be, uh, work at 100%, you got to be hearing the word of God. And I referred to it earlier, Mark 4, 9. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him be hearing. Well, we know that Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, you hear it and you keep hearing it and you keep hearing it and you keep hearing it. You know, what's so amazing though, you know, and, and we've, been, we've been, you know, serving the Lord and in ministry for 40 years now. And it's so amazing that, you know, I went to the minister's conference and there was absolutely nothing new that I heard. Well, wasn't that a waste of time? No, because the anointing of God made it fresh again. Just reaffirmed I'm doing the right thing. Man, isn't that wonderful? You know, when Vicky makes that chicken and rice at home, I'm telling you what, I don't ever say chicken and rice again. I'm telling you, when she, I mean, she makes the best chicken and rice. I'm telling you, it is like, mm, it is out of this world, you know? And uh, when she makes it, you know, I mean, it's so I don't go, oh, chicken and rice again. No, man, it's good the second time. You know, hearing the Word of God ought to just encourage you every time you hear it, even if you hear the same thing over and over and over again. Why? Because as you do, it's imparting into you. It's becoming a part of you so it can manifest that hundredfold results in your life. So not only hearing, but let him hear and consider and comprehend. You know, and it's just as easy as we need to follow God. That's all. Just follow God. Just, just, just put him first in our lives. Secondly, apply the word of God to yourself. James 4, 7 says it like this. Submit yourself unto God and resist the devil and he shall flee. Well, we know in John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, uh, verse 7, I believe it is, says that the word and the spirit and God are one. Okay? We also know in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And so when we apply and we speak the Word of God, we're releasing the Spirit of God to activate the Word of God. And the more we dwell on it, the more we're going to say it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, the truth is, whatever you predominantly dwell on, eventually you're going to speak out of your mouth. 
whatever you speak out of your mouth, you know, eventually you're going to do. Whatever you do uh, habitually enough is going to determine your character, and your character will always determine your destiny. So it all begins with a thought. It all begins with what you're meditating on. That's why it says in Joshua 1.8, if you'll meditate on the Word of God day and night, you will make your way prosperous. Really what will happen is that the Word will begin to manifest in your life and begin to prosper everything you put your hands to. What does Deuteronomy 28 say? If you'll diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and listen carefully to follow and obey all these commandments. All these blessings will come upon you. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in, blessed going out. And everything you put your hands to, everything that God tells you to do, it will prosper. Amen. That's the result of putting the Word of God in your heart. So apply the Word of God. And as you are applying the Word of God, you're submitting to God. And to the same degree that you're submitted to God is the same degree that you'll be able to resist the devil and watch him flee. I mean the exact same degree. The more you know God, the more you listen to God, the more you follow God, the more you, you honor God's Word, the more you'll destroy the works of darkness. <clears throat> It says in the expanded Bible in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, So give yourself completely submitted to God. Stand against, resist the devil, and the devil will run and flee from you. You know, the more you're, you're submitted to God, the more you look like God. Isn't that something? You know? And, and, and how many of you just kind of hated that one guy who always won the fights when he showed up? You know, he's, and it's like, let me get out of here, the bully or whatever. Well, you're kind of a bully to the devil. Whenever you show up, man, he wants to run. He doesn't want to get whooped again. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please God, for he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The Amplified Bible says it like this, But without faith it's impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must must believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who are earnestly and diligently seeking him. It's not how much you know, it's how consistent you are with what you know. Let me say that again. Thank you for that thunderous applaud. I appreciate that. It's not how much you know, it's how much you consistently apply what you know. You don't have to know much just got to know a little bit of the Word of God. Amen. Thirdly, break up the fallow ground. Man, if there's any hardness in your heart, well, how do I know if there's hardness in your heart? Well, let me ask you. I want you to think about the worst person in the world. Can you bless him? Might be some hardness of heart there. <laughs> just saying. I'm not saying you have it, but, you know, can you bless that person who hurt you the worst in life? If they were bleeding and dying on a Jericho road, could you stop and help them? Would you, would, you, would you give them water if they were thirsty? Would you give them food? You know, the Bible says by doing that, you're heaping coals of fire on your head. You know, that, that's not a bad thing, though, either. In other words, you're giving them light so they can get back into the steps that God's called them to be. You know what? I'd rather bless someone who hurt me because it may give them an opportunity to repent. And if they hurt me, they may want to try to make it right. How about that? You think they're ever going to make it right if they don't repent? I don't think so. But if I show them the love of God, it may change their heart to a degree that they might want to make things right where they've wronged me in the past. That's why it's so important, you know, that we break up this fallow ground. You never know. You know, that person who, who, you, who thought you cut them off and gave you the sign of disapproval, you know, they're doing that so you can pray for them. You know, God bless them, you know. That's what, you know, I mean, hey, this is, this is the, uh, the areas. How, how follow is your ground? Hosea chapter 10 says, Sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy, and break up your fallow ground. Yeah, you can sow in righteousness. Yeah, you can reap in mercy. But you know the key is break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Psalms 51 verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These 
Oh God, you will not despise. He will not turn away from. You know, a broken heart's not a sad heart. You know, a broken heart is, you know, something that is broken depends on something to fix it for it to work right. Isn't that correct? The Lord showed it to me like this. He showed me one time um, a, a picture. And, uh, he, and, 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 and what he showed me in this particular vision with what he broke this picture in half. He said, can that picture still hold water? And I said, well, no, Lord, it can't. He said, well, if you hold it together with your hands, it can hold water. He said, can you still be used of the Lord if you're broken? He says, you can if you trust my hands to hold you together. Amen. See, he's not going to turn away from you. See, if you're depending on him to hold you together, he can use you. Amen. And besides, you know, if that picture's broken, some of the stuff on the inside, it gets to leak out anyway. Don't you want the Spirit of God to leak out on other people? I do. And so a broken heart's not one who, who's sad, but a broken heart is one who says, I'm totally dependent on God. You know, there are some things in my heart I want to see God do, but you know what? I know I can't do it. I know that it's not possible for me to do it. So I might as well just learn to depend on God for the small things so I can learn to depend on God for the big things. We were praying this day over the academy. We were praying today over the academy. And I told the Lord, I said, God, you know, if you give us this school building, and he gave me a vision of the school building, I don't know when, maybe it was last Sunday or something. I mean, I mean, he was talking to me about it. I was like, wow, that's beautiful. But then you know what? He's going to have to give me the staff. He's going to have to give us a maintenance crew to take care of it, you know? And that's going to take M-O-N-E-Y, you know, but he's going to have to do it. I can't do it, you know. And so, you know, learning to depend and trust on him, it's not about me, it's about him, it's about his word. And so that's what a broken or a contrite heart is, is one who is repentative, in other words, always pressing into God for the greater things of God. The fourth thing I have here in order for us to be that good soil and see a hundredfold in our life is to stay planted, to stay planted. Amen. You know, we have this awesome apple tree in our backyard, and it came with the house when we bought it. We don't know how old it is there, but it just keeps on producing apple year after year after year after year. Now, this year, we're not having as many apples because we have more squirrels, and they're eating more of the apples than, than they usually do, have done in the past. But there's still apples there. And I got to looking at the apple tree, and I thought, I wonder how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of apples have come out of that tree. You know why? Because it stayed planted. It stayed planted. I mean, it just stood there. You know, it's gotten bigger, you know, and this year it's produced apples, and next year it's going to produce apples. So isn't that something that, you know, isn't that amazing that when a plant stays planted, it'll do better? You know, and some of my fruit trees, you know, I had these plum trees and I thought, man, are they ever, I mean, they've been out there six years. Finally this year, boy, several plums came out and I think uh, the uh, possum enjoyed them very much. But anyway, but it'll produce more so that we both can enjoy it here in the future. You know what I'm saying? But in other words, it stayed planted and it stayed planted. It says here in Psalms 1, one through three. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. And this is what will happen to that particular man. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, and whose leaf shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Amen. Whatever he does shall prosper. I think there's some strength in being planted. Amen? Amen. Digging your heels in, in and saying, you know, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. You know, speaking of that, you know, on the inside of my Bible, on the very last page of my Bible, of my cover, I got don't quit. Well, guess what I got on the front of my Bible? Don't quit. You know, just don't quit. You know, sometimes you may need to rest, but tell yourself, don't quit. I'll never forget when I was first entering into the ministry, you know, left the engineering field. 
you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I found out some things the hard way. I found out, you know, that, you know, just because I'm going into ministry, not everything is going to go my way. And, you know, and things got a little difficult there for a while, you know. And, and I just told the Lord, I said, I'm just going to quit. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, well, you can quit if you want. He said, but, you know, I can tell, I, I'm just going to tell you, you know yourself as well as I do. He said, but, you know, six weeks from now, you're going to want to get back to where you're at. I said, yeah, you're probably right. And so he showed me, you know, kind of like I'm climbing, climbing this ladder. He said, man, when you're climbing a ladder and you get tired, just stop and rest. Don't go all the way back down and start over again. When you're climbing a mountain, don't quit and go back down to the bottom. Just rest. When we took the singles that, you know, out of the Grand Canyon, you know, we had to get some help to get them out. But you know what? We, when they quit and they stopped and rested, we didn't tell, well, you know what? You need to go back down to the bottom. Just rest until you get your energy again. Don't quit. Just rest. Sometimes there's a good time to rest. You know, they that wait upon the Lord. Sounds like rest to me. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not faint, and they shall walk and not be weary. Isn't that wonderful? So sometimes, you know, don't quit. Just just rest. Don't get uprooted. Don't let anybody uproot you from where God wants you to be. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I expect to see you here next Sunday. Tell your other neighbor, don't let anybody ever talk you out of going to, the, going to another church. Oh, I'm doing good this morning. Oh, I've gotten out there a little further than I needed to, but that's all right. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 through 4 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the, the, the scripture Jesus used when his, in, his ministry was introduced. Because the Lord has anointed me. You know what? Jesus said, these works that I do, so shall you do and greater because I go unto my Father. The Lord's anointed you too. To do what? Preach good tidings to the poor. You know what's good tidings to the poor is? You don't have to be poor no more. Amen. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of God and to comfort all who mourn. You know anybody who's mourning? You know, I mean, people who have no hope, they're mourning. People who don't have God in their life, they have no hope, they're mourning. They're looking for some answers. And so God's anointing you to comfort them. How do you comfort them? With the word of God. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of mourning for the garment of praise and the spirit of heaviness that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You know how God's glorified? By you staying planted, staying committed where God wants you to be. So who are those? It goes on and says, and they shall rebuild the ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. Do our ruins need to be raised up? Do our ruins need to be rebuilt? Does a former desolation need to be raised up? They shall repair the ruined cities. Does our ruined city need to be repaired? Absolutely. The desolation of many generations shall receive from the Lord. Does our, does our generation, does these next generations, you know, the Gen X and the Gen XYers and the whatever else, you know, I'm a boomer. You know what that is, don't you? I'm a baby boomer. You know, I'm in that generation. You know, something that amazes me about being a baby boomer, it seems like it's the widest spread boomers of all of them. I mean, generations, you know. And when we got the long, I mean, my wife, you know, many of you know, she's just slightly older than I am. And, you know, I know I need to be careful here. But anyway, I mean, she's a boomer. But boy, it seems like these other generations, I mean, it's like every five years, you know, this one, this one, this one. I forget the last generation, the new, huh? Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen Z. Yeah, isn't that something, you know? What's the next one going to be? Well, we'll just start with the next, you know, beginning of the alphabet. We're going to call them Gen A square or something. I don't know, but, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> they're being ruined. They're being destroyed by the God of this world. And who is he going to anoint to repair them? Those who are planted in the house of God. I witnessed to somebody not too long ago, and this is what they said. You know, I'm so glad you asked me to go to church. I've never been to church, and I've been thinking about going to church. Which church do you pastor? I was in, a, in you know, I was, I was in, you know, in a restaurant. 
you know. And they said, I said, how are you doing? They said, oh, it's okay for our Friday. They said, how are you doing? I said, well, this is the day the Lord has made. And it's a good day because God doesn't make bad days. And somebody said, are you a preacher? What gave it away? (laughs) And that's when someone said, I've never been to church. I've been thinking about going to church. Hello, somebody. Hmm? If you don't stay planted, how are they going to go to your church? Come on, somebody. They're looking for you to invite them to come. That's why I said, go out to the highways, the byways. Go to your friends. Go to your enemies. You know, go to whoever and bring them to church. Amen. Amen. Get them here somehow, some way, so that they can hear the good news. This is how God's going to build the kingdom. You know, and this is how the word of God's going to begin to multiply in your life because you freely are receiving, freely give, and as you give, it shall be given back to you. You will see the word of God multiply over and over and over and over again, not only for your benefit, but for the benefits of others. So one of the things that I want you to know as I close this particular series is wherever you see, and I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, wherever you see this, and you'll see this going through the Word of God, and I know people are sincere when they say some things along these lines, but we have to be careful to let God be the judge in all that we do here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. Oh, I could just keep on teaching and keep on teaching and keep on teaching. I love this stuff. All right. Do you not know, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, do you not know that unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Did you see that? Unrighteous won't inherit it. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covenants, drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God either. Now, this is what I believe. I believe that sin separates us from God, just like sin, Adam and Eve, sin separated them from God. But as a believer, you have an advocate with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you put your faith in Jesus, you're born again. Well, what if I sin? Well, if you sin and you don't repent of that sin, you're separating yourself from the benefits of the kingdom of God. Why would you want to live this way when you can live a better way, especially as a believer? Why would you want to live one one foot in in the church and one foot in the world? Why would you ever want to do that? Who would want to do that? Why? Because it's not hurting God, it's hurting you. He didn't say you're going to hell. It says you can't experience the kingdom of God. Who doesn't want to experience the goodness of God? I don't know about you, but the Bible says in Psalms 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I need his mercy. The word of God tells us that we need to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we maintain grace and mercy in time of need. I can't think of a time I don't need his grace and mercy. I'm thankful God's with me everywhere I go. I'm thankful that I put God first. And when I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto me. Why wouldn't I want to become adaptable to God's standards and God's way of living? Why? Because it's a better life. It's a better living. And it's better for me and it's better for you. And so anytime you read through there, did you know that someone who gossip will inherit the kingdom of God? Did you know God puts people who gossip in the same categories he puts homosexuals and adulterers? Wow. Well, that's pretty tough, isn't it? You know, God's standards are so much greater than our standards, you know? And so, you know, I don't want to go down that road. I want to live for God with my whole heart. I want to do, I want to, I want to do everything I can to please God. And even if there weren't any benefits with it, I'd still want to do it because of what he's done for me. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.